You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. Merry Christmas. It's good to have you here on this ugly Christmas Eve. We are continuing that theme, and I've still got the ugly uh, sweater going. Do I rock this or what? All right. It's good to hear you tonight. Now, I'm going to ask something. Sammy, I did not ask you uh, beforehand, but could you come on up here and help me with just the beginning of this message? No. Are you sure? I think you'd like this. It's just I want to show you some pictures and see what you think of them. Can you do it? No? Okay, we're going to have to all play the kids tonight, okay? Can we all do that together? We're good with that? Good. Okay, so um, we're going to, tonight, we're going to act all like, by the way, I'm just like a kid with wrinkles anyways, right? So, um, and uh, we're going to look at a couple of pictures, and I want to ask the question of, like with Sammy, what I'm going to ask you is, which place would you like to live in, okay? Now, we've got two choices here. Here's the first one. Anybody want to live there? Yeah, wherever that is, I'll, I'll move, right? And uh, that would be nice. Or do you want to live here? <laughs> Not so much. Sammy, which one do you want? The, 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 the first house or the second? You want number two? Why? Because you can live there with your cats? Outside, play a fort in the backyard. That's not a fort in the backyard. That is the house, okay? <laughs> That's no electricity. Okay, how about this now? What kind of clothings would you like to wear? Would you like to wear something like this? You know, looking like Oprah or um, this gentleman or something more like this? What do you think? Hmm, yeah. Or how about this? What kind of place would you like to work at? This is the kind of office I would really like to have. When we build Thrive, this is, this is the office I want. What? That, that's right. Doesn't it work that way? No? Sacramental wine. I don't know. Or would you like to work in a place like this? And a lot of people do. Or finally, um, women out here. Where would you, if you had, if you were pregnant right now and you're going to have a baby, would you like to have this kind of a place to have your child in? Or would you rather have this kind of a place to have your child in? You kind of know where this is all going tonight. Um, It is an ugly Christmas. It's been an ugly year. And um, Christmas actually was not a beautiful time. And the story of Christmas didn't have all this beauty and wonder and stardust and, you know, uh, just you, you, what you see if you read the actual story in Luke chapter 2, which we'll have uh, some children reading in just a moment, uh, it's not filled with a lot of flowery language and add-ons like you would. Um, but instead, um, it's kind of a plain story with a profound message for an ugly world back then and today. I mean, some of you, I don't know if you right now have had an ugly year and a difficult uh, month of December and you come up to Christmas and it just doesn't seem to be changing fast at all. There are people right now that are closing their business or facing a job layoff. Others 
who may have one last person to talk with during the holiday season because of COVID-19 or something else. Um, and uh, you might have struggled through a very difficult semester, either as a teacher or as a student, and you're not quite sure what next semester is going to bring. And anxieties and depressions are way off the charts, across the board, across this world, not just here. So it's been kind of ugly. And I think that's why this theme, we've had some fun with it, but I think this theme really fits. Uh, we need a real message to deal with the real ugly world that we've seen this last year and in our lives and a savior who comes right in the midst of it all to make the most meaningful, profound statements of all. So for that reason, let's see and hear the original Christmas story. It's going to be a short video of some children sharing the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. That a crew went out from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be worshipped. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And Quirinius was governor of Syria. Then Joseph also went out from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he is in the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed who was with Mary child. His betrothed who was with child. And while there, there, that child came for her to give birth. I for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid, laid him in a manger because there is no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out the field watching the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them in the, the glory, glory of the Lord. The Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Our great joy, that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. 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 And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with Jesus, Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard wondered what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising, and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Amen. So tonight we're going to look at this story. Now, how these kids told it was so cute, wasn't it? And we just love to have children at this time of the year. Uh, it sometimes, you know, I, I know I, I loved this video, so I wanted to use it, but it almost goes against the story itself because uh, all these children were born in wonderful places, probably, with, you know, all the, the, all the 20th, 21st century has given us. Whereas the original birth, and the original story was not at all like that. And um, we're going to look at these three aspects tonight um, because I think this is going to make your Christmas and every Christmas in the future even more meaningful, that it's in an ugly time of the year, uh, in an ugly place, in an ugly space, that Jesus comes for that. He doesn't try to avoid it or anything else. So the three points tonight we're going to be looking at is an ugly time, an ugly birth, and a beautiful embrace. First of all, an ugly time. We see that in the Gospel of Luke where it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered each in his own town. Now, notice Luke doesn't start this message out with in uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And he doesn't say once upon a time. And he doesn't say somewhere over the rainbow and then go into the story. He starts out at a particular place in a particular time in a very dramatic uh, moment in history when the first emperor of Rome, Caesar Augustus, was on the throne who was powerful, effective, but gruesome and controversial at the same time. It was a really ugly time to be born in a backwaters place, not even in a large city, but in Bethlehem, this small village well outside of Jerusalem. And why do you think it's important that Jesus was born into a specific time and place in history? Because, well, Christianity has always claimed that it's not just a sentimental legend about what might be or could be. No. Jesus is born in the midst of all of this because Christianity also claims that Jesus affects all of history. And his birth at that time and in that place not only affects those people back then, but the direction of the world itself in real time and real space. If Christianity isn't for the real world, it's no good at all. You might as well throw it all out. Because we don't need fables about the glory of God appearing on earth. We need the glory of God to show up. And I think you've seen that in these, this last year. We don't need myths about 
something trying to teach us some grain of truth in this aspect or that. We need the truth. We need the truth to show up in person. And that's what Christianity has claimed from the beginning, that God, the God of creation, has chosen a specific place and time and person. When he chose Abraham out of all the people in all the nations, he said, I am going to use you to bless the entire world. And through you and through your people, through your descendants, there will come one day one person who can change all human history and all human destiny. And that person is Jesus. That's what we're celebrating tonight. Now, some of you, I don't think too many of you here might ask this. You might have asked this at times in your life. And others are asking this. You might have relatives that say, but, you know, wait a minute. You know, this dude is talking like this is all just facts and he knows it all and he can tell every." How do you know it's true? You know, how do you know that the Gospels are reliable sources, that this story is not just a myth or a legend? So you might want to pick up a book, um, just a little short introduction. It's called, um, by Richard Bauckham under universe, uh, Oxford University Press. It's the story, Jesus, A Very Short Introduction. It's just this little, um, I think there's a picture of the book right there. And it's the next slide, yeah. And he shows the reasons why you can... Um, Look at the Gospels as reliable sources of historical events and how Jesus stands up to all the scrutiny that any skeptic has ever thrown at him. Now, if you're watching with the Bible app by any chance, um, th in the Bible app notes, they, there's actually a link to this book, a free PDF of it, so you can download it anytime. It's a Christmas gift that actually showed up on time, right? And it's free, so um, you can look that up. So Jesus was born into an ugly time. Uh, Caesar Augustus himself, you know, he, he started this thing called the Pax Romana. Have you ever heard of that? The Peace of Rome. You know how he did it? Through military might, subjugating nations, putting a lot of people in slavery, um, sucking economically all these satellite peoples and groups so that Rome was central uh, and, and was reliant on all the economics of the entire known world at that time. But he did it through creating uh, a forceful empire dictatorship, the Pax Romana. So Jesus enters that kind of a world, and the angels contrast his reign with that of Caesar's. And they say he's going to bring peace on earth and goodwill toward all men. Fascinating, isn't it? So Jesus was born at an ugly time. Our second point is this, that it was an ugly birth itself. And this we see in Luke chapter 2. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You know, like I said, uh, there's no extra, like, flowery language thrown in by Luke. There's no stardust doesn't talk about a heavenly glow. Sorry, drummer boy was not around. You know, from what we can tell, the ox and the ass did not kneel down at midnight and bow down to the king. None of that stuff, none of all that thing, all those things that we've added to the story. What we get is a woman having a child in the normal way and placing this child wrapped in rags into a manger. We 21st century Americans like to really kind of clean up 
um, life, make it less than messy, I would say, make it safe and perfect and comfortable and predictable. We all, uh, how many of us try to avoid dirt or disease or sickness or labor pains or sufferings of any type? We do our best to remove all these obstacles from our lives, but then we come around to our children and we make sure and double down on that. You know, we've got terms for that. Helicopter parents who are just kind of hovering over their children to make sure everything turns out great. Or snowplow parents who basically push everything out of the way to make a smooth path for their children. And why do we do all of this? Because somehow we believe the good life is a life without any difficulties at all, without any limitations. And we say things to our children like, you can be whatever you want to be in life. Do you really believe that? You know? I, and I'm not saying you don't want your children to dream. But what's wrong with the limits? What's wrong with the gifts that we have to be used to God's glory and to serve others? But I'm never going to be president. I wouldn't want to be president of the United States. But I'm, I can't just choose whatever I want to be in life. That's not what the good life is. And what we find out here in this ugly birth is the fact that Jesus chose very specific limits. He had all the choices he could make. At the beginning, we showed these pictures of different places. He could have been chosen to be born in a palace. He was born and placed in a manger. No room even in an inn. He could have been born in Rome to royalty. He was born to the poorest of the poor. Do you realize how poor Mary and Joseph were? That when they went to the temple to dedicate the baby Jesus, they gave the absolute least offering they could, according to the gospel. They were poor as can be. Now, Jesus chooses to be placed in a manger, and we wouldn't even want our kids to touch it these days because it was dirty and gross. And if you do go to a farm, you better wash up after you leave the place. No epidural. Sorry, Mary didn't get one. It's not the way it worked, right? No epidural for Mary. And no, um, and the rest of Jesus' life doesn't go much easier. You see, um, the gospel shows that Jesus faces human needs like never before. Um, his childhood. He gets lost from his parents when he's at age 12. At times he cried, at other times he laughed, he went hungry, he agonized, he experienced all the human emotions that we can possibly know, and he was tempted in every way, the gospel says. So Jesus is fully human and fully divine at the same time. And that kind of scares us because he is so close to us. I've noticed um, over the years, um, and I think when, when Lisa and I have been at places, you know, um, and I've introduced sometimes, there was a party we had, a Christmas, a holiday party in our neighborhood in Gainesville, Florida, quite a few years ago. And all of a sudden, we went from uh, having this wonderful conversation with this young couple with children, and we had children, and yada, yada. And then, then the wife finally asked, so what do you do? And I said, oh, well, I'm a pastor. And immediately, it was like, oh. Step back, get away from these people. That's kind of our reaction often to God getting kind of close to us because we realize there's something, ooh, I don't know if I want you that close. 
That's, I don't want to face um, your scrutiny. I need my space. I need my freedom. I want to be able to define my life, and who I'm not so sure about that religion stuff. We don't want God actually that close to us. We'd rather have God out in the abstract. We'd rather have God um, in general watching over our lives. But if he actually sees who I am and what I'm about and how I think and what I'm doing and knows all of that, I'm not feeling that good about it. Um, so how in the world do we handle this? Here, God comes to earth in a tiny package. How are we supposed to handle this? How can we have God close to us, his holiness, his perfection, next to my rather ugliness? And that's what our third point brings out here tonight, what I call the beautiful embrace. And we get this from the story itself when we talk about the shepherds. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping their watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. Astonishingly, God chooses the first people to hear about the birth. He chooses shepherds, not rabbis. Bethlehem, not the temple courts. You might not realize it, um, but by this point in time, the first century AD, shepherds were not considered um, wonderful, noble people. Now, way back when, Abraham was a shepherd, Moses was a shepherd, David was a shepherd. That was a totally agrarian society. By the time of the first century AD, it had turned from an agrarian society to a merchant class society, and shepherds became hired hands to take care of other people's sheep. And when that started to happen, uh, shepherds were seen as, well, undependable people at best. In his book, Contemporary Images of Christian Ministry, Donald Messer explores the reality of what a shepherd was in the first century, and this is what he writes. Far from being a noble profession, the job of a shepherd in first century Palestine was one of the most despised trades, along with gamblers and tax collectors. Yeah, you can't, you know, whoa. Contrary to our romantic images, shepherds were generally considered to be thieves. Shepherds were habitually known to graze on other people's land and to pilfer the produce of the herd. They could not fulfill a judicial office or be witnesses in court. It was forbidden to buy wool, milk, or ki a kid from a shepherd because it was widely assumed that they would be, uh, it would be stolen property. So it's not the fact that they just smelled bad or their clothes were not pretty or they'd been around a bunch of sheep dung. It was the fact that shepherds were morally kind of ugly people. And yet that is who God chose in the first story to come close to, to embrace them, to welcome them, and to welcome them in such a way that they would feel welcomed with this child. 
telling them, hey, you know where you're going to find him? In a place you're familiar with, in a manger, a place where your sheep feed all the time. Here's another little lamb I want you to get to know. So Christmas is about the ugly. It was an ugly birth. It was an ugly time. But that is exactly what God is embracing even today in our day and age. He came for the ugly. He came for this mess. And he came to make a real difference in it. Now, a lot of people would say, well, wait a minute. So if Jesus came for all that ugly stuff and he kind of got in the middle of it, why didn't he change it? I mean, why do we still have 2,000 20 years of ugly after the birth of Jesus. Why has there been so many wars? Why is there so much evil? Why is there so many bad things that are still happening? Why is there so much disease? Why is there so many inequities? Why are these things still going on? If Jesus came to deal with evil and suffering, why is it still here? So, the answer is basically this. He could have. He could have come in power with an army of angels behind him and said, okay, let's clean up this mess. He could have come in power and edict as a judge and just said, okay, everyone, line up one at a time. We're going to scrutinize your life and decide your fate right at this moment based on what you have and haven't done. He could have cleaned it up and destroyed all evil, but do you understand what would happen if he tried to do it that way? If Jesus came to destroy all sources of evil and power, I wouldn't be left. And if you think that that's an exaggeration, that no one would be left on earth, then I'm not so sure that you've really understood the ugliness in your own heart. Paul Tillich, um, he wrote about this whole experience of Christmas this way. He said, the darkness in which the light of Christmas shines is above all the darkness of death, the threat of death, which shadows the whole road of our lives. We are slaves of fear, not because we have to die, but because we deserve to die. And I think that's the point. That's why we're kind of afraid of God getting too close. We know he shouldn't have to put up with this. Why would he want to get close to me? Why would he want to be a human like me? Why would he come to this world in the first place and have to deal with me and my ugly heart? If Jesus would have come the way I would expect him to come, that would be why the shepherds were fearful. We know that God shouldn't have to put up with all of this stuff. But he does. Because he loves. He loves so much, he wants to beautifully embrace you now and forever. You know, that's why, time and again, this whole fear of death and the fear of what God should be able to say about us, why it comes up again and again, in the Bible, when any time any human being comes close to the presence of God, or even an angel, you know what the first message often is? Fear not. Fear not. 
It's not like we go like, oh, wow, that's awesome. We go like, oh, crap. I should be dead. And yet, the message of the gospel is fear not. For behold, in the city of David, a Savior is born for you, Christ the Lord. So Jesus came the first time to embrace shepherds and hoodlums and degenerates and lepers, to welcome the outcasts and to befriend sinners. He came himself to be rejected by us, not accepted, and to bear our judgment rather than to be a judge of us. He was born in a manger. He lived in poverty. He served and taught as one who was homeless. And finally, we pushed him out of this world upon a cross. And we even placed him in a borrowed tomb. Didn't even belong to him. But all this he does to bear the sins of this ugly world and this ugly time and to make a real difference in our lives. You know, I don't know if you've ever studied world religions at all, and I, I love a lot of them, but many times it's more like you better clean up your act. I think even Christianity gets this uh, rap. You better clean up your act before you come into church. No. None of us would be here if that were the case. The gospel of Jesus says, no, you're never going to clean up your act. I'm going to come and make you new give you a whole new life. I'm coming for the ugly. I'm not coming for the beautiful. I'm coming for the difficult. I'm coming for the struggles. I'm coming for the sinners, not for the saints. <laughs> and that's what Jesus does. Christianity says the world so beautiful and wonderful has been disfigured by human depravity and sin, the ugliness that is in our own hearts. And Christianity says God comes in and makes the difference. Martin Luther put it aptly, I think. He said it this way. You will not find God in the pure heights, far beyond all suffering, but down in the murky depths, in the midst of suffering. He is with us in the mud and works so hard that his skin smolders. <laughs> it's a little poetic, but I love that idea. Jesus Christ comes for you right where you are. No matter how ugly you think things are, no matter how ugly this year has been, no matter how ugly have your thoughts ever been in your life or your um, attitude or what you have faced, Jesus Christ has come for that all, to bear it all, to change it all. And he finds and he declares and he calls out and he makes you beautiful. So life... Yeah, 2020, it was tough. It was ugly. It was unpredictable. But it was another year that we can celebrate because of Jesus, that he still embraces us in the midst of this. 2021, not sure how it's going to turn out, but I know who's going to be with us through it all. So, Merry Ugly Christmas to you all. Let's pray, shall we? Lord God, thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Thank you so much for all that you've been doing in our lives. It's been a tough year, Lord God, an ugly year. Many of us are not celebrating as we want. 
we're watching online rather than being in person. Lord, we are uh, facing uh, bills and no way to pay them. We are struggling, O oh Lord, with um, anxiety and isolation and loneliness. We are facing uh, the ugly truths about how uh, divided our community is, our society is, our nation is, Lord. And no one seems to be changing that, Lord God. So we turn to you, Lord. We know you're the light in the darkness. We know, Lord, you're the babe in the straw. We know, Lord, you are the beauty in the midst of this ugly world, that you bore it all and that you were part of it all and you have embraced it all for our sake. And through your death and resurrection, Lord Jesus, we are amazed. You will make all things new. We lift up to you tonight, Lord, those who are facing the holidays, especially as they grieve, whether it's over a loved one who is in the hospital right now or maybe in hospice care or alone and facing COVID or some other issue, Lord. We just ask that you would visit these families and these individuals personally right now, Lord, that still the joy of, and the love that you have would be theirs. We especially lift up to you the Blankenship family and ask that you would continue to guide and keep them in your care. We thank you, Lord, that you've just shown your beauty through Andy's life as she's now in hospice, Lord, that she still radiates your character, your peace, your patience, your kindness. We thank you for the gift that she has been. We pray for your healing presence to be with her. Lord God, uh, we do pray for our nation in the coming year, that you make us a, uh, <laughs> that, that, you, uh, that you unify us more in the truths of uh, the way that you've set up this world um, and the love that you have, that we would love one another as you have loved us, Lord God, that we would start treating one another as we want to be treated, that you would... Uh, Take away, O oh Lord, just the ugliness of some of the public discourse that we have seen. And instead, that we would start looking at what does encourage and build up. Lord God, so we lift this uh, nation into your care. And we pray, Lord, for our family members as they are spread out all over this nation right now and have not gotten together, Lord, that, we, that you would visit them where they are and that next Christmas we can celebrate even more your goodness and grace. All these things we lift up to you this day, Lord Jesus, and we ask that you would hear us as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.